0: Hello members of the Poland community and Wazoo students. My name is Sheila Johnson and you're listening to the Evergreen Editorial. Okay, so today I have Samantha Radcliffe with me, an opinion columnist, and she wrote the article about the Hype House and how a fly on the wall would be more interesting than watching that.
1: Hi, I'm Samantha. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So talk about your inspiration for like why you started watching Hype House in the first place.
1: Well, honestly, we were in a meeting and one of the columnists brought up the idea of reviewing the Hype House. And I was bored one afternoon and was like, I can do this review. And so I spent four hours watching the TV show. (laughs) What were your first impressions from when you
0: watched the trailer?
1: I recognize a lot of faces. I recognize Vinny Hacker. I recognize Nikita Dragon. Some, some of those faces that are pretty well known. And I was, I was intrigued enough to actually watch the show. So, yeah. Were any
0: of those faces ones that you liked to watch on TikTok?
1: No, I'm definitely not on that side of TikTok. I definitely am more on the book talk <laughs> side <laughs> of TikTok. So... I mean, I recognized their faces and I knew what they kind of did, but that's about it. (laughs) Okay,
0: so just as a little inside, um, Samantha watched all of them. I have only watched until about episode five, which is probably good. I'm going to try not to have any spoilers, but it's possible. Um, I might recommend watching the show before listening to this. But if you have no interest, then this will be perfect for you. Um, first, let's get into the good things about the show. What do you think um, they tackled well?
1: Um, there was an incident that was brought up where Nikita Dragon tends to uh, play as a, tends to not portray herself as her race. So she does a lot of black fishing, a lot of, not sure if it's called Asian fishing or not. But one of the members brought it to her attention and confronted her and was like, I don't think you should do this. This is not okay." And I kind of really liked how they brought about that issue. It wasn't like the center of the the TV show, but they did bring about those that issue. I also liked how they showed the ups and downs of the profession, Um, more downs uh, than ups. But it was interesting to see that social media isn't all glamorous and stuff.
0: Mm hmm. Um, I would just like to ask what age group do you think the producers planned
1: for this show? Who would be watching? I definitely think, uh, beside the TikTok that they're on, it's definitely geared more towards like 12 to 15 year olds, a younger age group than me, (laughs) a college person in their 20s. So I definitely wasn't the audience, but I watched it nonetheless. Mm
0: hmm. Um, Do you think it's something
1: that 12 to 15 year olds should be watching? I think I do think that they should watch it because it does show a lot of the downs of social media, because nowadays social media is glamorized as a good profession. I do think they should look at the mental health aspects of it that they showed in the show, which I thought was very insightful. But it was also super depressing to watch. And it was it. I just didn't like watching it. So I might gear, I might sway kids that are wanting to be social media influencers away from that profession.
0: hmm I, in my opinion, I don't know that it would just because of all the, like, glamorous, fun things that they get to do. I can see how that would be very, um, enticing. And also the issues that the main guy was dealing with about not having enough, um... People doing, sharing the responsibility and having all of that responsibility on himself is something that I feel is more of an adult issue that someone who's younger might not understand. Um, But I do think the writing was definitely for 12 to 15 year olds. Um, Another thing that I was thinking while watching it was, um, there are a lot of revealing clothing, um, talking about sexual topics. Um, And maybe that's just something that a 12- to 15-year-old wouldn't understand, so it might not be a big deal, but that's just something I noticed.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like social media nowadays shows a lot of people in revealing clothing, so I think 12- to 15-year-olds would be not, like, surprised to see it Mm -hmm. on the TV show, so it's interesting that you brought that up.
0: Yeah, it's something that they've probably already seen before.
1: Yeah, so I don't think it's that, like... Into them,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's different for. I don't know how you grew up, but definitely for me, we didn't have you know all of these things. So there's probably a generational cultural difference there. Um, so let's get into maybe the not so good things about this show. Um, one of them that you mentioned was the
1: absence of plot. Um, <laughs> where there was there was plot, but not really. It was more just watching them in their daily lives. And I thought, I, I, again, I don't watch reality TV shows, but I thought it was supposed to have somewhat of a plot. <laughs> and so I was a little confused of just watching them in their daily lives. I was kind of bored. I didn't know why I was watching this. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
0: I definitely think they tried to inject some. But in my opinion, um, a lot of the plot also seemed like camera crews were standing there and saying okay talk about this like especially in that one part um I'm just at this part but the guy who is Cover's boyfriend is talking to his brother about getting married to Cover right after the episode about the wedding and I just I feel that while they're standing there someone's sitting behind the camera like Okay, talk about this, which is something that two brothers might talk about organically, but probably for not that long.
1: I definitely agree. I think that's the problem with reality television. It isn't very authentic, and it it's a lot—it's a scripted—it's their scripted stereotypes. It's all of it, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I really enjoy watching reality television. Mm-hmm. So this reality show wasn't—didn't—I guess it wasn't, like— Different from any of the other reality shows. What mm-hmm. do do you watch other reality shows? I have watched <laughs> Dance Moms and a little bit of Big Brother, but that's about it. Okay, and how does this measure up to those? There's definitely a lot more drama in uh, Dance Moms for sure. I mean, they're screaming, they're pulling each other's hair, there's tables slipped over. And in Hype House, I literally just watched people on beanbags talking about how bored they were or a idea for a video falling through. So I was kind of bored with the drama and I didn't really care for the drama with brand deals, like Mm -hmm. them not filming any of the videos for the Yeah, stuff like that. Mm -hmm.
0: Is that maybe because that sort of thing isn't what we deal with? So it's... We, it's not relatable to us. That's definitely probably it, yes. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I have no brand deals. No one's paying <laughs> me to do anything, well, except my job. <laughs> um, so I feel like I remember you talking about stereotypes in your um, article. Do you want to explain what you were thinking there?
1: Well, I have watched a lot of, well, I mean, I like, I read a lot of research articles, and one of the research articles that I read was scripted stereotypes and I brought it up to my dad and he was like yeah there's definitely a ton they bring in cast members for a reality show and they usually brand them before they even are casted Mm -hmm. and so in Hype House they I can definitely see some of the stereotypes they were branding like Mia she definitely was portrayed as the villain and the person who ruined Hype House Mm -hmm. uh, from the start and that's just I don't think that's correct I think there's a lot of other aspects being played into it I just don't think a lot of people saw that and just picked one person and blamed it all on her. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a lot of the producers and editors um, job of doing like that. So Mm -hmm. making it more engaging for the audience. But I just feel bad for Mia and the other ones that are casted as stereotypical.
0: Mm -hmm. Mhm. I didn't see that about Mia. Is that something that happens later on in
1: the show where she like ends everything? It's it's just like members talking about how she was ruining the dynamic and stuff it's oh. towards the later of the episodes but like it it really just sad to watch mhm and I, another stereotype is um vinny hacker being like mm-hmm. the sex symbol of the show i mean he was portrayed as the the little preview button box for Netflix, he was all over it, and he was barely in it. Yeah. They were just getting him for views, which I think is interesting because they brought that up in the show, mm-hmm. and they did just that, using him for views. So yeah. I just think that's... I don't like that. Yeah. Do you think that's something he, would like, okayed? I'm not sure. I, I'm not him, so
0: I'm not that's sure. That's fair. <laughs> um... Okay, so we've talked about some generally good things and some generally bad things about this show. Um, But let's end with a little bit of hope. Can you give me
1: a little high note from this story? Well, I think I put it in my article pretty well. But basically, I learned that a lot of the Hype House members came from not so good backgrounds. uh, And I think it's amazing to see that they made a name for themselves despite all of their setbacks and them being dealt the wrong hand and um i think that's inspirational for kids who don't think that they'll make it in a society where they're dealt the wrong hand to begin with so i really like that aspect and i think everyone should just think about that when they are feeling down and stuff
0: okay well, thank you, Samantha Radcliffe, for being here with me. That was the Opinion Column TV show review, Fly on the Wall, More Noteworthy Than Hype House. Before we close out, I'm going to give a quick sports update. Um, COVID-19 has hit Wazoo Athletics pretty hard. The Swim Pacific Northwest invite was canceled, and that was supposed to be on Sunday, January 16th. Um, Women's basketball at UCLA on January 16th was a loss, 58-71. to Men's basketball versus Oregon was postponed on Thursday, January 20th. Um, Tennis versus BYU is happening today, Friday, January 21st. Um, The swim meet against Utah was canceled for Friday, for um, January 21st. Women's Basketball versus Oregon State is postponed for Friday, January twenty-first. Um, but we do have the track McCluskey Memorial open in Moscow, Idaho tomorrow, January twenty-second. Um the swim at BYU was canceled for Saturday. Men's basketball at Oregon State is postponed for Saturday. Women's basketball versus Oregon is postponed for Sunday. Men's Golf Arizona Intercollegiate was canceled on Monday and Tuesday, and Men's Basketball versus Utah is on Wednesday. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Daily Evergreen Editorial, and I hope to see you next time.